Hi, I'm Ellie Einhorn, and you're listening to the TalkHouse Music Podcast. Lauren Mayberry of Churches and Ben Gibbard of Death Cab for Cutie have a mutual appreciation society. But before this talk, the two had never spoken. We recorded this episode just before their bands joined up for a co-headlining tour. Ben has led Seattle's Death Cab since 1997. Over the course of eight albums, they've become indie standard bearers, helping to define the sound of American alternative rock. Ben also found massive success with the electronic pop project The Postal Service, who released one influential album, 2003's Give Up. Death Cab's most recent release is the 2015 LP Kintsugi. Lauren Mayberry is a frontwoman for the Glasgow band Churches, who have released two albums of immensely catchy synthpop, 2013's The Bones of What You Believe, and last year's Every Open Eye. She also founded the Glasgow women's collective TYCI, and runs the label Goodbye Records alongside the other members of Churches. Lauren has contributed to the Talkhouse multiple times, writing about Karen O, Dum Dum Girls, Wolf Alice, and more. Her chat with Haim on a Talkhouse music podcast recorded at last year's Pitchfork Music Festival is a must hear. During the recording of this talk, Lauren was, to use her words, at a truck stop outside of Jumbo Jimmy's Crab Shack somewhere in Maryland. This seems appropriate, as a lot of this chat is about life on the road. Ben was at his writing space in Seattle, and as they were both on cell phones in noisy places, the sound quality is a bit rough. Still, the two jump right into a freewheeling conversation that, at its core, is about change. Changes in their relationships to the touring lifestyle, in writing lyrics, in watching other bands play, and the places that they call home. This talk also takes in the Glasgow and Seattle music scenes, fear that the ability to write songs will one day disappear, and much more. Check it out. We haven't met in person yet. No, no. Yeah. I guess other than our kind of failed email attempt, we haven't I met know. in real life. You are on a road trip from where Where to where are you going right now? Um, at the moment, I'm in a parking lot outside Jumbo Jimmy's Crab Shack, which I believe is somewhere <laughs> in Maryland. And uh, I start. I just moved to New York at the end of last year, so we thought we would take a little road trip up to D.C. with some friends and... Uh, I'm experiencing the proper authentic American road trip, I think. Yeah, and, and you're obviously, you know, you're you're enjoying all the, the delicacies that our, our interstate system has to offer. Yes, uh, I tried my first bit of jerky today. Um, I don't know if I'm convinced by it as a concept, but maybe uh, everybody else seemed into it, and they're all American, so maybe it's because I'm foreign, I don't get it in the same way. I'm not sure, <laughs> but... You'd think I'd be tired of driving around rural America at this point, but I guess it's different when you're not on tour and you're in a car and it's social, not for gigs. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel also that, you know, there. I feel like the, the open road is so instilled in us as touring musicians that, you know, an idea of a good time is like, hey, why don't we, why don't we spend the next two days driving a lot and, and stopping at truck stops and looking at weird shit that we think might be interesting. I, I, I like, you know, I, I'm just now after God, like almost 18 years of touring, like finally getting to that point in my life where I'm like, you know what? Like staying home is kind of, is kind of great. <laughs> like yeah. Seattle is kind of great. I, I, I kind of like, I kind of like being at home a lot more than I used to. I feel like my restless energy is starting to, my wanderlust is starting to subside a bit. Um, 
and I mean, do you, I mean, what do you, are you, do you like being on the road? Is it something you look forward to or, or are you somebody who would prefer to be at home with your person and be working on music and, and whatever else? Um, I think for all three of us, it kind of flipped at some point. Like at first when we were touring so much, it did go from zero to a hundred because we were just in bands that would play in clubs in our hometown and nobody would really necessarily come to those shows and there wasn't a lot of hardcore long-term touring involved and then I guess when churches started to get um, more known we had to tour all the time and it was quite intense and hard to kind of grasp at first whereas now I feel like we spent so much time on the road when we go home I feel like there's a certain couple of days adjustment period where I feel like I should be doing something right now but I don't know what it is but something and yeah it's kind of weird when you realize that the unorthodox way of living has kind of become really normal if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. My 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 fiance uh, toured with uh, doing production and tour management and stuff with bands for a number of years, and we talk about that two week period post a long tour where you know you're just going to be crazy for a couple weeks, you know, <laughs> because at, at nine at at nine p.m. I'm like, why aren't why aren't there a couple thousand people in our living room? At, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm supposed to, you know, my 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 physiology is telling me that I should be up and performing at that time. And it, it, there's a weird kind of like uh, post-tour depression always kicks in. But I, I, I'm glad that, for, you know, that we both, my, my fiance and I both, like, we know that's happening. And we're just like, yeah, you're just tour crazy right now. You've just well, been on yeah, the road forever. And you're not acting like a normal human being right now. So we have like a grace period of about two weeks before we have to address it as like, no, actually, you're kind of, you know, you're, uh, you're, this is a problem, you know, but I, at this point, I feel like we, we recognize it and we are able to balance it out. Um, I don't know. And I mean, it seems, it seems like, I mean, you said it, like, it seems like you guys, you know, I, obviously I know you guys were all in other bands and I actually saw your bandmates band Aerogram. Like I was a fan of those guys. I saw them with huh. like Mogwai and Superstone. Yeah. I saw them in like Mogwai and Superchunk in like 1999 in Portland. Yeah. Um, and they're fucking great. Like it was, it was such a, it was a great show just across the board. Like seeing those guys in Mogwai and Superchunk, like all certainly with Mogwai and Superchunk too. I, I was new to Aerogram, but Mogwai and Super Superchunk were two of my favorite groups and still are. And I, I was given this impression. I've always been given this impression about, especially Glasgow, that like. The, the, it's a fairly insular scene. It, it seems to be like a state. It seems to be very unique in the UK in that bands tend to be seem to be friends, which is not something I ever get from bands in London or really anywhere else. Is that is that true, or is that just my like perception of things there? Um, yeah, I think it's true. Definitely true to a certain extent that everybody is such a small town, and there's only so many music bars you can play in that people do all know each other to an extent. And I didn't know Ian and Martin personally before we started the band, but I knew all about all the bands they'd been in and I knew them to like nod at in a pub. But um, yeah, I guess um, it's for such a small place, there's been so many amazing bands that have come out of there. And I feel like if we had grown up somewhere where maybe you didn't need to work as hard for it or something maybe we'd be a different kind of musicians i'm not sure i feel like the the underdog mm -hmm. factor has definitely informed how we operate <laughs> to an extent 
Yeah, it's always given me, it's always seemed like the city in the UK to me that is the most like an American indie rock scene. Um, it was, it, it was familiar to me. It felt, it, it felt, there was a, it felt like a similar sense of community that, that I really loved, you know, about being a band in the States. And we never got, we never get that in the UK anywhere else, which I always thought was really interesting. Hmm. Well, yeah, I guess, I don't know, I suppose for us, we spent so long trying to like, when you're growing up and being in a band, you're like, we've got to play a show in London, we've got to try and play, you know, got to get to London to do it. But then I always found, until this band, when you're playing half-empty shows in London on like a four or five band bill where nobody really gives a shit, I was like, this is really depressing. Why is this what we're striving for? And it's not really making any difference. And I don't know, people ask us that a lot when we were starting this band and talking about the first record they were asking whether we would move the band to London and work there but I think I don't know there didn't seem like there was a need at this point or maybe just I don't know the internet and how people share music and stuff it didn't really seem like we needed to physically move to another place to help people find out about the band anymore yeah yeah totally I mean I I, I feel you know being from Seattle um, you know, that, that was something we felt from the very beginning too, is we, I, you know, we, every, people in the Northwest up here have a real strong sense of kind of localism and, and a, and a particular pride and, and kind of, and in, in a, in like in, in both a good and a bad way, kind of a, a slight xenophobia, like a musical xenophobia. And, you know, you know, when people would kind of, when any time a band would leave Seattle to like move to LA or, I guess now people move to Brooklyn, you know, they move to Brooklyn or LA. It was always just kind of like a, you know, that there was a particular type of careerism in that that was kind of laughable, you know? I mean, it's, it, it, I, I've always, I always appreciated about music here in the Northwest is that people always seem to be doing it for the right reasons. At least the bands that got successful seem to be doing it for the right reasons. Like, you know, there was never a sense of, there was never like a, a like a, I guess I should say when we started, we never had any sense that this would be something we could do for a living. It always felt like something that would exist for a short period of time, and then we'd have to go back to grad school or something. You know, we'd have to go do something else with our lives. And in a way, I'm still kind of waiting for that other shoe to fall. <laughs> like it's been almost 20 years, and I'm still I'm still planning for that. Like, well, I'm gonna have to go back and get my master's degree at some point. You know, and I'm fairly certain that's not going to happen at this point, but there's just this voice in the back of my head that says, like, eventually you're going to have to get a real job. <laughs> You'll have to go back to the real, the real world. Um, and I suppose maybe it's because we, we, never, we, we never started out kind of thinking that that was going to be possible, you know? Hmm. Plus, I guess, if you ever lost that sense of, I don't know, like, humility or gratitude for what you have then I suppose it would definitely change you as a writer and I always think once people lose their sense of reality or the grasp on the fact that what they're doing is kind of a crazy reality I think that's sometimes when people start writing very differently I don't know yeah oh I think that I think that real human interaction is incredibly important as a writer especially in I you know the styles that I think both of us kind of write in it's like you know, when you're trying to kind of get, I mean, you're trying to get to the truth of a matter or try to open, unpack something that's emotionally complicated. You know, if, if, if you surround yourself with people who only say yes to you and only, you know, that, that don't push back on you at all, that, you know, I, I, I lived in LA for three years. I was married and living in LA. And I, I, that was something that I found was, 
I found I, I saw that a lot in people that I interacted with. The sense of, you know, when people would become successful, they would surround themselves with people who would not tell them no. And mm. you know, I, I, I to me that 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 I was I kind of was making a mental note along the way of like, okay, that's something that I, I can't I can't do that. I can't allow myself to just, you know, surround myself with people who are either literally paid to be there, be it, you know, you know, uh, crew people and assistants and, you know, but, or just kind of sycophantic kind of quote unquote friends who are there just to kind of feed your ego and tell you what you want to hear. And I, I've, I found in my life being, since I've been back in Seattle for the last five years, you know, that, that the people who, you know, I, I surround myself with here are, most of them are not even musicians, you know, or if they are musicians, they're people I've known for almost 20 years and can tell you like, yeah, that song kind of sucks, man. Like you, you can do better <laughs> than that. Or like, yeah, I don't know, man. I think your last record was kind of da 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 da. You should probably, you know, probably hit this a little harder, like work on this. And I was like, okay, yeah, I, I'll take that from you. <laughs> you know, like I'll, I, I can take that kind of, you know, uh, constructive criticism or all that harshness from people who I've, who have a, who I've known for a long time. And I trust with that kind of, you know, bluntness, you know. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, the idea, I think about it a lot, I suppose, because we're kind of coming towards the end of this album campaign and thinking about where we're going to make the next record and how we're going to do it. And I've, I have like a probably daily panic where I'm like, what if I have nothing to write about? What if I have nothing to talk about? Because I've just been in a tour bus or in a van for two years. But I don't know, I guess I'll just have to wait, wait and see what happens. But I don't really know if you felt like, the way that you write lyrics or the stuff you're writing about has changed substantially over the course of Death Cab? I, I think, I think it has I, in a sense that, you know, when I look, you know, we play old songs, like the first, certainly the, like the first three records, I, I think I wrote a lot more, um, a, a lot more cryptically back then. And in, in my mind though, I wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't think I was writing, more, I wasn't writing cryptically or kind of, you know, trying to kind of, uh, uh, like, kind of hide things in the songs. But as I look back on some of those songs and, and read the lyrics through, I'm kind of like, oh yeah, I, I know what I was trying to say here. I was trying to say something clearly. And the way I was writing at that point made it come out more cryptic than I think I would have written it now. Um, for better or for worse, you know, I mean, I know, you know, we've made eight albums and I've heard every variation of you haven't made a good record since dot, 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 you know, it always tends uh -huh. to be the record. It always tends to be the record two records back from the record that we're currently promoting, you know, uh, cause that's, you know, but I, I've heard, you know, but I think a lot of people, at least some people who were into the band in the early days, I think like that kind of cryptic more, um, I have maybe, maybe poetic, kind of style and I definitely feel like I've moved towards a more literal descriptive style of writing. Um, just because I, I, I've, I think when you listen to more music and, and you kind of start finding things and songwriters that you never really paid much attention to that you admire, you try kind of, you try your hand at different styles of writing. And for me, I mean, maybe four or five years ago, I started listening to a lot of Randy Newman and was just like, wow, he yeah. says so much and so, in, in so, so, so few words, he says so much. And, you know, I, I, I think I've been able to use that with mixed results. There are certain songs that I've 
in the last couple of records that like, eh, I think I could have probably done that one a little better. Um, but I do, I do feel like it, it does change. I feel like what I'm trying to kind of accomplish is never, never changes, which is, you know, I want, I want people to hear a song and then see a film in their mind, you know, that I want the lyrics to be immediately, um, evocative and, uh, visual. Um, and you know, that could obviously can be done with a more cryptic poetic style or can be done with a very literal style. And, um, you know, I, you know, I, I feel there's value in both, but it is interesting when I go back on stuff I've written when I was 20, 21, and at the time, I thought, like, man, I'm really, really killing it right here, you know. And I'll go back and be like, really? I thought that was a good lyric. I thought that was, I thought that worked, you know. I know, but I, I feel, I mean, I, I definitely feel like I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you are. I'm in the sense that I've been on the road for probably about the same amount of time. Because I think our records came out roughly around the same time. And, you know, it's like, I just need to get away from all this and live real life. You know, and I know that once we get done with all this touring, I'll start writing again at a level that I'm comf- I'm happy with. But I do have those fears, like you know, what if what if I never write another song? You know, <laughs> what if this is it? You know, what if I have nothing to write about? But I I feel very confident. You are such a great writer. I have, I'm very confident that you will, once you get off this crazy train, you will immediately start writing killer songs. Like if you haven't well, been thanks. doing so the whole time already, you know. Well, I keep I try and keep a notebook on tour, and I write down like words or phrases or just things I've thought about as we're thinking of them. But then I started to look back through that notebook the other day, and I thought this looks like the diary of a crazy person. Um, <laughs> it's just such a <laughs> random set of things. And like one minute it looks like it's tra- somebody trying to write poetry, and then it's like amusing about something that you saw on the news. And I'm like, I'm gonna really need to work to figure out what the fuck is in this at the end of it. But I don't know. I've, I think sometimes when we're on tour, I don't write anything at all because I suppose we're just in such a different headspace. But then I think once the promo stuff lightens up a little and you can kind of start thinking about writing. And I also think it's nice when you hear a record or you get to actually go see a band play a show for once and it gets you excited about writing and excited about playing shows in a way that sometimes maybe you forget when you're just in the day-to-day of it. I don't know. Oh, I, I, I'm, I feel the exact same way. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't write anything when we're on tour. I mean, I, I don't, I, mean, I might kind of make a, a little note in my phone, like if I think of something that I find clever at the time, I'd make a little note. Um, but yeah, I, I, I find that when we're touring and promoting a record, I mean, that's between a show and soundcheck and, and press and stuff like that. That's like four or five hours of music, you know, in the day already. And, and, you know, I don't know if I, I don't think I felt that much. I I guess I listened to more music when we were just touring in the van or traveling around when I was younger. Um, but I find now it, I'm almost 40 that I, I only have room in my day for so many hours of music. And, you know, and so I, I don't tend to listen to a lot of music on tour. I don't write anything really. You know, the idea of, like, spending free time listening to an album, um, if I'm not at home listening to it, is just, I just, I just can't bring myself to, to do it. I, I, it's, I'm just so, I get so burned out on music, you know, when we're on the road as much as we do that. I start asking myself the question, like, God, do I like music anymore? <laughs> is music something that I enjoy? 
And, you know, uh, the answer is, of course I do. I just need to get away from it as, um, you know, from, from it, filling my day with it, you know, and, this, you know, in our own shows. And, and, and then you have those moments where you hear an album or you go see a show for fun and you're like, oh, my God, that was so great. And you get that feeling that you got when you were, you know, a kid. And, and it happens, for me, it happens less frequently being as I get older just because I've heard a lot of music. But, you know, it happens, like, it, it happens all the time. And you're just like, it, when it does happen, it just blows your mind. Like, I went and saw my friend um, uh, Kate LeBond play last week here in Seattle. Mm. And it was one of those shows where it was just like, oh, my God, she's so fucking great. And the, her band was so great. And, like, there's one of those moments where, like, man, I just want to go home and write songs now. You know, like, I was just so inspired watching her play. And she's, she's I don't know if you're a fan of hers or not, but she's, she's so great. Yeah. And it's nice when you can go to a show and have that relationship with music still. Like, I feel a lot of the time when I go to shows, like, I've overthought every aspect of a live music show at this point. So I feel like I'm such a naysayer. Like if I'm watching something, I'm like, oh, this sounds really shitty or oh, the bass is really muddy. And I wonder how like this, how many people have come to this show. And then I start doing like tour budget maths. I'm like, they really can't afford to be touring with that lighting rig. I don't know how they're doing that. And I'm like, how have I, I'm not listening to anything. What's wrong with me? But then sometimes when you go see something, maybe if you're in the right mindset or if the show is that fucking good, then I don't think about any of those things. And it's actually really nice to go back to enjoying music in that way for once and not be thinking about all the superfluous stuff. Yeah, totally. And I'm sure there's people who would listen to this and be, and hear us talking about this and be like, Oh, boo hoo. You guys like, Whiny oh, it's hard to listen to music. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's, it's, I, I feel so fortunate that I can do this for a living. Like I, I, they're not a, um, there are, of course, moments that I might take it for granted, but 99.9% of the time, I feel so fortunate that this is my life. But that also comes with its own set of kind of, it, it, this, this, this crazy life is, this is my, also my job. And, you know, I, and I, it's, there are times when it's just work, you know, there's times where it's not this music and playing shows and not this transcendent, you know, spiritual experience. And, Sometimes you have to grind through them when it's like your fifth show of the week and you're sick, you know, and you're in some weird town and you just want to be in your own bed. And, and, uh, and you, I never would expect the audience or anybody listening to this to have any sympathy for that. But there is, but that is the, rea- that is the reality of, of our lives. And, you know, it comes with its own, uh, you know, pluses and minuses, I suppose. But I do the same thing. I'll be like, Man, how are these guys able? These guys must be spending the entire budget of this show on life. This is crazy. Like, you know, I, I we're like we're still we you know from the I still feel like we're such a we we are such a uh, like you know from the day, the days we toured in the van and we were kind of really kind of we were broke. I mean that that has not left me. So when I see when we're trying to do our own shows, like we got to make sure that we can you know we're not spending all of our money trying to make the life look cool. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think for me, from what I can gather about you guys, that's always been a really important part of it. And what I, as an outsider, have always really enjoyed. It felt like even though the band was getting bigger, there was still like an ethos that you guys were kind of trying to hold on to. And um, I think that's something that I always really respected. And I remember being at um, college and people talking about like, oh, you were going to do do records on a major. And, ah. But then I kind of always felt like it felt like you were holding on to the ideas and the integrity that made the band what it was. So 
hopefully that's what you were intending because that's what I read into it. So. Well, that's that's. I really appreciate you saying that because you know, I mean, that was certainly certainly what we were going for. But at the same time, looking back on that period where we transitioned from an indie to a major, you know, we tried to play it off like we were, like it's not a big deal. We're just we're in the same band, you know. We're just on a major now, and like we're not going to be one of those bands that freaks out about being on a major label. But in actuality, I mean, it was a really, it was a much more uh, difficult transition than you know, we anticipated just in the sense that you, you know, yeah, in some ways, you know, I, I tend to not pay as much attention to what the press or people say about our band now as I did back then. But, you know, there was this sense of like, well, people are really focusing on like, you know, people are really focusing on like the, you know, the, the label on the back of the record as the most, you know, important thing. I have like an, I, I'm in, I have an office in downtown. I'm at, currently at my office in downtown Seattle where I constructed like a small writing studio. Um, so I just, I literally like go to work every day when I'm at home. Like I, I go from my place on Capitol Hill and I go downtown and I go, I'm, I'm in an office right now. Like there's like a, you know, a lawyer next door, you know, oh. <laughs> like, um, and I kind of, I, years ago, I read about how Nick Cave would go from, you know, he would, he had an office, he would go and write songs. That's what he did to write. And I was like, that sounds really good to me because I, I've never been able to be successful writing songs at home. Like, I just can't, I, you know, if I had a music room in my house, you know, I just would always be thinking about it or there'd be distractions. Or there'd be, you know, somebody coming over to do something or somebody stopping by and I really, I really, I, it's, I found it really, it's been really beneficial to me to have a place to go to write music that I can, when I leave, when I leave my office, I'm leaving the song I was working at at the office. Like I don't, I don't, um, I don't like take it home with me and then try to wake up in the middle of the night and think about how I could fix it. Like I literally just like, all right, I wrote half this thing, put it away, come back tomorrow, crack it open see if it's still working. Um, they just have like a small amp and a piano and, you know, but it is, it is weird to be in, a, in an office. Like this is, yeah, I got, you know, like I, like I said, I treat it like my job. Like I'm literally treating it like my job right now. Like I'm like, I got to get to work by 10, even though there's nobody telling me I need to be here, you know? Well, but sometimes like know, having that self-motivation and also that kind of separation, I think is really important. I can't, I've lost count of the times I've tried to write stuff in the kitchen in my apartment and I just can't, I can't do it. I end up just fidgeting and doing other things that don't need to be done. And I think a lot of the stuff I wrote for um, the record we just put out was written in cafes or on trains and things like that. Maybe when I can't be distracted or something. It's probably mm -hmm. really good for mm -hmm. me to have that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess whatever works after a point. And I feel like even when we're in the studio, if I'm sitting there and Ian and Martin are there as well, I can't, I can't sit on the couch and write lyrics like that. I just can't do it. And it makes me seem really cagey, but I'm like, I have to go somewhere else. I can't sit and listen to you talk about the gate on the snare drum while we're while this is happening. I can't do both at once. Yeah, and I can't I can't even have anybody in the house when I'm writing stuff. Like when my you know, like when my fiance be like, Oh, I'm gonna like I couldn't like be in our like side room with a guitar writing a song while she's, you know, like me you know, like reading in the other room. Like I just I, I just I feel that writing music is a very solitary experience for me and you know, the idea of being in a room with, you know, at least with people that I'm supposed to be paying attention to, um, you know, trying to, to write 
lyrics would just would be just very difficult or, or impossible, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, well, I guess I, I, I guess I'm curious how how you're finding New York. How, you know, you said you moved to New York in December, I believe. Yeah, I moved at the end of the year. I guess at the moment we're on the road so much, it's not. It's kind of living anywhere is kind of a vague concept, but I don't know. I guess I've been in Glasgow for ten ten years almost, and it just seemed like. They've given us visas. They were crazy enough to give us long-term U.S. visas, so I figured I should use it. And I don't know. I guess I just always liked it as a place, and I feel like there'll be something. There's something about trying to assimilate, which I feel like is going to be a good thing for me as a person because I'm probably quite a wet blanket a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, I'm enjoying it. I feel some days I like it a lot more than other days. But I I don't know. I think it'll be. It's such a diverse place. There's so much. I feel like I'm seeing shows or bits of theater or going to just something creative all the time. And I think that I think I'm kind of mm -hmm. a leech in that regard. Like when I want to feel creative, I feel like I want to watch movies or uh, TV or read books and things like that. And then maybe that'll spark ideas. So really, it's a selfish pursuit. It's hoping that it'll shore me up with stuff to write about. <laughs> well, I'm but sure it will. Different. I mean, there's, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, never, I've never lived in New York. I feel like my. Well, outside of the fact that I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, I've, I'm, I've, uh, I've doubled down on, on the Northwest. But I, I, I was talking to a friend recently about New York who had just moved there, and you know, I, I realized like, I think that my, I think that my moving to New York window closed when I was about 27. <laughs> I think I kind of like I, I, I realized that I don't think, especially for what I, what I want out of a city and um, what I want out of my life, and I spend a lot of time in the mountains. And, um, you know, out, out in the wilderness, it's kind of like where I, you know, where I would prefer to be, you know, if, if I have like a free day, um, you know, that's like, you know, the, the vastness of New York is so inspiring and there's so many creative, interesting things going on. But, you know, I, I just feel like one of the wonderful things I love about living in Seattle is I can be in the mountains in a half hour, you know, and, yeah. um, and just, and just, you know, I, I find like, that you know the same the same things about New York that once were really uh, I found really inspiring they they kind of work against me at this point like I I you know and and but it I do enjoy I do enjoy it there so much and you know there is there is every time I'm there there's that moment of like man you know I really did fuck up by not like living in New York for a year or something like that when I when I was well, I can't, to really appreciate it I can't really talk because right now I'm in a car park in rural Maryland so. And maybe that's that is true. I'm being yeah, a hypocrite. But um yeah, I don't know. I feel um I'm excited. My friends have from what I can tell from our communicating with our hands, uh have got me some takeaway shrimp to eat in the car. So I'm quite excited about that. <laughs> oh great, there you go. There you go. Yeah. That's that's gonna smell lovely and that's gonna smell lovely for the rest of your drive, having Yep. A, a uh, like, takeaway shrimp in the car. That's gonna be <laughs> I think that's gonna go well. But I took it as a I was like, they understand me. They know what I wanted, even though I wasn't inside the restaurant with them, they know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's awesome. Well, I'm really excited about these these shows that I'm really excited about these shows that we're gonna do with you guys. I mean, we're we're all uh, we all really really enjoy your guys' records and um, and you know you know I, I just you know as I you know when I first heard your band, it kind of it kind of like there, there's a, there's like an emotional lift like and and uh, like goosebump kind of factor that your your band has for me where I just want to like I just 
you know, when I'm listening to you guys and walking down the street, I walk faster with my head up higher and, and, uh, there's just, there's such an, like a really beautiful emotional list to kind of the music that you guys make. And, and I'm just like selfishly excited to just get a chance to see you guys multiple times, uh, on this run. And, and, and I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. Uh, well, thank you very much for having us. We were super psyched as well. And I guess at first I was like, is that a crazy build to put together? But now I feel like it makes it makes sense in a crazy way. So thank you so much for having us. Oh, my God. It's going to be great. We're going to have a great time. Um, well, I might go eat shrimp in a sweaty car. Yeah, go eat some shrimp. Um, go eat some shrimp. I'll, <laughs> I'll, see you, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, have a safe road trip home. And, um, yeah, I will. Uh, we will meet in person very soon. All right, cool. Well, thank you for having us talk, guys. And I'll see you guys all soon. Bye, bye. Hi, I'm Elia Einhorn, and you've been listening to Lauren Mayberry and Ben Gibbard in conversation on the TalkHouse Music Podcast. Check out Lauren's talk with the Heim sisters, as well as members of Churches and Death Cab for Cutie writing about music on thetalkhouse.com. Yeah.